This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined today by Jason Caldwell. Jason, it feels strange to say as we still uh, we haven't even shifted over to March yet, but the first week of Auburn spring football practice is, uh, has now <laughs> come to an end, and uh, they're going to immediately go to spring break, and then they will be back for another week. And as Hugh Freeze said today, that'll be getting the pads on. And so these first couple of days were, as usual, when you're getting started out, taking things slow. But uh, we were able to get out on the practice field, of course, on Tuesday. And then today, as we record this here on Thursday evening, got a chance to talk with Hugh Freeze. Um, went over an out, went over a half hour with <laughs> with Freeze today. So, of course, had a lot of ground to cover. Of course, lots of new players, new assistant coaches. And, um, you know, you go and you've got new schemes on both sides of the ball. That tends to be something you've got to get into as well. But Jason, I guess let's just kind of go over what we heard from freeze today. Um, I guess where we can sort of start, we can just start on offense and kind of move from there. Of course, it's, it's Ole Miss assistant, Derek Nix, who comes over as the offensive coordinator, somebody who worked with freeze previously. At Ole Miss, and I was really interested to hear from players today, and that's what I asked Freeze today. Hey, how different is this offense going to be with you at the controls? You know, with you having much more control over it, not only as a play caller, but in setting up your system. Heard a couple things today. Heard tempo, which is something that Freeze has always wanted to get into. But then, Jason, you know, the pillars of this offense and what they want to do to succeed really aren't going to change that much from from last season. It's just going to be more um, a freezes freezes baby, basically. But, um, you know, we've heard him talk about it ever since he got some of these new coaches on staff. That comfort level is something he mentioned with the offensive meetings. And it's as simple as, you know, him saying, look, I know the terminology with somebody like a Derek Nix. And, uh, you know, for the players right now, it's new. They're having to learn a new playbook from last year. But from Hugh, for Hugh Freeze, when he's looking at tape and he's breaking things down in the offensive meetings, 
things are very familiar for him and certainly more so than the, than the first year where I think he was, you know, kind of felt like he was a little bit scrambled trying to get that, uh, that playbook together. Yeah. You know, something we talked about the last couple of weeks uh, when I kind of got an idea, Hey, this is going to get back to Hugh Freeze's terminology and how important that is when you think about it in terms of hiring Derek Nix and getting Ken Austin back on the field. And all of a sudden you go, well, Ben Agamow was coached with him. So it adds another one. Uh, and then Jake Thornton and Derek Nix had coached together and been on the staff together. So you start going, man, you got a lot of pieces there. Bring back Maurice Harris, the guy who's run his offense. And all of a sudden you start to go, this is a, there are a lot more pieces to this puzzle than last season where it was Philip Montgomery and his son and everybody else was trying to learn that offense. Nobody had really done that. And we talked about it with Heath Freeze all last fall where he said, look, I'm trying to make adjustments, but I don't really know what that's called depending on what it is. And now it's going to be boom, boom, boom. It's second nature. Here it is. Here's how to, it's hard to know how to fix something when you got to first figure out what it's called. Uh, and so I think this is a, a much more um, familiar you know, offense for these guys to run. Um, I think it's already allowed them to really just kind of seamlessly transition. And now instead of <clears throat> the coaches figuring it out and teaching the players, now you have coaches that understand it and teach the players. That's that's a big deal. And well, Hugh Freeze kind of admitted it today, but the familiarity around the coaches' offices is a big deal too. And I don't think I don't think he meant it as a as a slight to to you know the guys that were here before, but there's something to be said for going down a hallway and seeing guys that you've worked with before, and you know exactly, and they know exactly what's expected on this day. Here's what we're doing. It they've been through it. Um, I think that's the thing that stands out to me about the offense, and then the other part of it too, Nathan. You're right. You asked about him was listening to him describe. Okay, this is what we want to be. And we heard last year, not enough RPO, not enough RPO. There's not enough RPO. You phrase said today, it's going to be RPO. And I, I think that's the thing now, is it it going to fall on? He said, look, it's not just quarterbacks. The wide receivers have to be able to win one-on-one matchups because that's the basis of this offense. When you boil it down, the basis of this offense is hey, getting those guys in one-on-one situations. It's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. You go like, hey, if the numbers dictate that you run the football, you run the football. But if they dictate you get one-on-one situations outside, you throw it, and you got to have guys that win those battles. And I think it's safe to say, in one week, it feels like they're in a much better situation in terms of having guys that can win those battles than they were a year ago. Yeah, I mean, you and I, you, know, me and Christian talked about it quickly in a in a video on Tuesday, but. Um, just walking right out to that field where we first were in the corner of the, of the practice field outside was where the wide receivers were. And Hugh Freeze put it best today. He said, Cam Coleman makes this Cam Coleman makes this room look different at, at receiver. It just, and I'm not, and, and Freeze sort of said it today as well. Is he's, you know, I think everyone's in the same boat with a guy like Cam Coleman. And when Perry Thompson gets on campus and Bryce Kane is already a guy, look, they're putting him with the vets. Right now, they split newcomers and vets on the first day, and they said, "You're here. You were here with bull practices, so we're going to put you in that group." Expectations you don't want to put super high on a freshman right away, on a freshman group right away, but it's just the type of athlete that they haven't had there in a while. And 
on that first day. I mean, you had a couple photos of Cam Coleman that, um, you know, just certainly did not look like a freshman. But like you said, has to go along with the quarterback play, too. And that was something Freeze talked about today. You know, he reiterated that, yes, it is an open battle. But at the same time, every position on the team is an open battle. And he admitted, he said, you know, is it Peyton Thorne's job to lose? Yes, because that is the logical outlook Correct. every time you have an incumbent starter. And then we actually got to talk to Peyton later on in the day. I was interested to kind of hear him talk about um, what this offense looks like and uh, and what he has done this offseason because he's sort of, you know, over the past couple months, he's garnered some praise now from his teammates today and from Freeze today on uh, on what he's done to develop. But there are a couple other hungry young guys in that room, Jason, that, uh, that he's going to have to fend off. And I think there's you know there's no way around it that his development and and what he can do in this offense how auburn can help him improve is uh, it's going to be one of the biggest storylines of this of this team this season because uh, they have to improve in the passing game to get more wins yeah and yeah you're right i think the first thing you have to say look you have to start somewhere there has to be a starting point um somebody has to get the first rep um Peyton Thorne has a ton of experience he's going to get the first opportunities in this offense, but it's absolutely a battle. There's no question about that. I mean, that, that was only confirmed today by E. Freeze, but he did say, look, it's you, you, you have to have a – here's our baseline. Your baseline is right now, Peyton Thorne, if you go out and play really well, it's going to be your job because you, you have the experience. So there, he, right now he is the guy that is in the lead. Does that mean it's his job? No, absolutely not. Um but it's a starting point for them. And now the other guys have to get to that point. Now it's the it's the job of the next three that don't have experience. They got to get to Peyton Thorne. They got to get to that level because he has all that experience, all that playing time under his belt. So they've got to get there. Once they get there, then a battle's on. And so, you know, I think the other thing too, as we talked about it, is like somebody has to go take it fairly early. Because you can't have four guys. Four guys cannot compete for a quarterback job. It's, there's just not enough reps. Now, will that mean in the spring? Probably not. I don't know that we'll see anything settled in terms of narrowing down a list, but I'll tell you what you would get. The coaches will absolutely have a pecking order to get ready for summer and fall in August. And then it becomes a really difficult situation when you're getting the fourth reps versus the first ones or the second or the third. Comes difficult then. So I think somebody, you, you better start to even right now, you better start to move yourself up. And um, yeah, it was interesting. Mitch and Hank Brown had a through the ball well, you know, had, had that bowl game. Um, maybe he's a guy that's starting to go, okay, I want to be part of that conversation. I think that's where it starts. You mentioned Walker White as well. So, but extremely early. Like I said, only two days in, they hadn't put pad on, pads on. Um, but uh, I think there's, the, the quarterback room, um, I could be improved. I, I think because of this offensive system, <clears throat> because of Ken Austin on the field, I think it's going to have a different feel at that quarterback spot. Um, be anxious to see them as they get into spring, you know, after a week off. Yeah, I mean, Hank Brown was the guy that free said, you know, Tuesday was super windy. We were out there and he said, look, he was making some great throws into that. Uh, in those conditions, we saw that touchdown pass. He threw to uh, Rivaldo Fairweather on the, you know, that the, the team tweeted out. And I asked Fairweather about that. And he said, look, like you said, 
you're looking for somebody and I'm not saying it's Hank Brown. I'm just saying, you know, you're looking for someone who needs to make that step up. Rivaldo said, you're starting to see Hank Brown want to make those big time throws. He said last year in practice, working in the system, making sure things are where they are. And he said these, you know, what he's seen from him in the off season and in the bowl game and how he progressed. He said, you know, he wants to make more of those big time throws downfield and he's more confident in making those. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. You know, freeze kind of was noncommittal about it today, of course, because it's so early. Like why, why would you be, um, but do you feel like this is something they can go three guys into the summer or is it, I'm kind of wondering if it's not Peyton Thorne, you already know what he's got. And like you said, someone else who is going to take it from that other group. I, I wonder if they can maybe go with three guys into the summer though. Like you said, it's hard to, you got to cut down reps. Yeah, I think, I think you're fine now in terms of reps because I don't think you're going to try to make a decision in the spring. So I think what you're, what you're right now trying to figure out is who are probably the other two guys that you can cons- you know, really consider heading into August with. Um, and, and obviously you'll give guys a chance to go compete and get better, do those things over the summer. But I think the goal over the next 13 practice days, is, okay, let's find a pecking order and see what that actual competition is going to look like in August. I, I don't think there's any need to, I don't think you'll make, you know, make a decision this, this spring and there's really no need to, but I think what you do is you start to get a feel for <laughs> exactly what this true competition looks like when you say, Hey, we're going to give ourselves two weeks. You got two weeks in the preseason. You've got five straight home games. You've got the ability with this schedule to take a little bit of time to make sure you get it right. And I think that's going to be important for a bunch of young guys. You know, Hank Brown was a scout team guy for much of the year. Walker White comes in. Those guys, it's going to be imperative to them to get as many reps as possible in the actual offense to kind of get a feel for what they can actually do. So I think you take it into August to give – to give those guys as as much of an opportunity as possible to really kind of get a grasp of everything. On the defensive side, of course, new system there with DJ Durkin. Um, I thought Freeze's comments were interesting. He said, you know, of the coordinator candidates that they interviewed, he said, and everyone sat in. We we knew about that when we talked to Freeze at the Senior Bowl about like Charles Kelly having an opinion on those interviews. You know, some of the other defensive staffers were sitting in, and he said that the the DJ Durkin interview felt the most like how he coaches, like how he coaches the offense. Um, and so while it's not somebody he's worked with before, he did want that sort of, you know, staff cohesion of feeling like, okay, we're all going to be on the same page because he admitted it today, Jason, like Ron Roberts did a good job with this defense. I mean, they, in a lot of areas, they overachieved last year in a lot of areas. They have a lot more, they have some more challenges this year because you're losing veteran guys at very key positions. Um, I thought it was very telling that we get Eugene Asante on uh, as one of the first defensive players of the spring. And because he's a guy who who needs to be a leader in this group, he talked about how, you know, him and Austin Keys, they could be they could have an opportunity to be the best position group, you know, of this, you know, most experienced, at least. Um, and then another guy we talked to today, somebody Hugh Freeze mentioned, Jason Jones. And and Freeze, Freeze said it. He said, Jason Jones needs to step up. He needs to be the guy because as we've talked about on this show over and over again um they've just craved playmakers there on the interior and Marcus Harris has been the only one who who really obliged um of late we heard a lot about Keldrick Falk today um as well and his and how his leadership has sort of progressed but that's where I sort of started when on the practice field 
trying to learn all these new guys and kind of wondering how this group is going to progress. For me on defense, Jason, it starts with that defensive line because you're kind of just, other than the edge position where you're Jalen McLeod, all SEC guy, sure. Keldrick Falk, maybe. But in those interior spots, who is going to step up? That That's a big question. It's going to be in the spring, summer, and in the preseason. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know, and hey, we heard Hugh Freeze say, look, hey, we may go get another guy on the defensive line. I mean, that's already in the thought process before you ever get started in the spring. Which which tells you right there that they go and look. We're not sure we have enough of those difference makers. Jason Jones absolutely needs to be one of those guys. He's an older guy, bigger body guy, um, and he knows it. Talked to him for a little bit today, and he goes, "Look," and, and he's like, "Pass rush, that's it. Like you've got to be able to get a pass rush from those interior guys to be able to separate. That's that's a separator for an interior defensive lineman. Marcus Harris was able to do those things last year, and hey, today he's." You know, running in an NFL combine, that's that's what it's about. Can Jason Jones do enough of those things? That's a quick twitch thing. Um, he's 6'6", 320. Um, it's hard for those guys to be quick twitch enough. We heard, hey, Gage, he's had a, had a good start to his camp, the transfer from Kansas and Trill Carter from Texas. Those are guys I think that can help. But to me, the keys inside right now on this roster are Bobby James and Travis and DJ Reed. Those are two guys I think – you know, that there aren't the big 320 pound guys. Those are guys that have to be able to 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 get a crease and to get upfield, do some of those things. It's gonna be a big spring for them. And you know, I talked about it last fall and and before the bowl game and in those bowl practices, but it took Nick Fairley almost a full year to really kind of come out of his shell. And that was a guy that played a lot. Bobby James Travis didn't play much at all coming to junior college. His body looks different. He's leaner. You can see that a d- different body type for him. And same for DJ Reed. Now, can it translate on the field? Um, because I think they've they've helped themselves tremendously, even though they're younger. I think they've helped themselves tremendously on the edge spots, the defensive end, and at linebacker. I think those those spots around those interior defensive line. I think they're more talented than they've been in quite a while. And there's got some guys there. They just got to have some seasoning. But do you have guys on the interior that can go hey, just attack? Um, and I think obviously that starts with Jason Jones and see if he can become that guy. Secondary is obviously really interesting as well. Uh, you know, when Freeze was talking about the new coaches, he said he, he forgot to mention Charles Kelly as a new coach because he said he's the kind of guy you and I, I know, you know, Charles decently well as well. It's like you, you get to know him a little bit and you feel like you've known him. Um, for a really long time, but that's somebody too that you talk about being in the hallway and in your defensive or in your in your coaching meetings. Charles Kelly is a pretty nice tool to have on your uh, on your staff, and um, you know this this group. I was just really interested to just sit and watch them on Tuesday because you lose four starters. Your fifth starter from last year has now moved to a different position. <clears throat> I do think it's probably Keontae Scott and Kyan Lee there at corner as as your as your top two guys um saw sylvester smith playing some nickel that's a guy that's a that's a really talented player um early on the experience i think is going to get reps you know when we were leaving you kind of saw a shell of like very early first team skeleton type stuff you saw terrence love playing safety on the back end him and caleb wooden together um jaron thompson is a guy 
it's funny what Hugh Freeze said today, like almost exactly mirrored what we all wrote about in terms of our observations from the field. And it's like, wow, Jaron Thompson's really getting into it, like with with the coaching staff and sort of helping them from a leadership perspective. And he said, you know, he's a guy, he's a brand new player from from Texas, a transfer, but he's already made an impact there. That's just I feel like that's so much of a key for, for this team in 2024 is who can be those other three or four guys that are going to step up because it's, I mean, there's no way around it. Like this is going to be a challenge. You potentially have lost three NFL players in your, uh, in your secondary talking about the combine, three of those guys are there right now. And so um, that is going to be a big challenge, but the thing is they've stockpiled talent. It's just not necessarily experienced talent yet, but they are going to guys like T love. They are going to start to get their shot here and the coaches are going to rely on them to step up. I think the most interesting name that we heard today from Hugh Freeze was Champ Anthony. Yeah. Like of all the names I heard today that I went, that was one one. Hmm. Interesting. We saw a little bit of Champ Anthony last year. We saw him out there competing and we saw him playing and doing some stuff on special teams, but you saw a guy that weighed about 165 pounds probably gained 10 pounds since last year. Junior college guy, again, a year under his belt, starts to kind of feel a little bit, and he's taking on a little bit of a leadership role. And I think you look at it and start to flesh this thing out a little bit, and you go, okay, you feel like, okay, Keontae Scott at corner, Kay and Lee at corner, Tyler Scott's a guy that we heard, hey, this guy's has really come on. And you look at him at Colton Hood and, and J.C. Hart, and then you got, you know, Jay Crawford that's coming as a freshman athleticism through the roof size. I mean, they're like, this is a, 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 an impressive group. And you start going, okay, Antonio kite, where does he fit in? Is he a corner? Is he a nickel? Another one of those really hybrid athletic guys, Jaron Thompson, we heard how he can play three different spots. I think it's probably both safeties and the nickel. Um, and then you mentioned Sylvester Smith, guy that can play nickel can play safety. The talent level in that secondary, again, I think, front to back, I think everywhere you're looking to go, man, they've increased the talent level on this roster dramatically. Now you got to get older and you got to get more experienced and, and you got to be able to do some of those things. But I mean, you look at T love at six, two, two twenty two, and a guy that can really run and, and move and do some things. Jared Thompson reminds you a little bit of, of kind of the Jalen Simpson type safety that we've seen have success, whether it be at Alabama or other places, um, where a guy that looks probably more like a corner from a size perspective, but hey, can see the field, can do all the things you need to do. It, it's another interesting group. I really I like the makeup of the guys and the athleticism, and and it's probably from a size standpoint, from one to probably twelve. This might be the biggest group of defensive backs I can remember at Auburn when, when you look at that guy, those guys out there. So. Um, I think it's a good fit. Can you get old in a hurry? Can you grow up? And and can you kind of make sure you're in the right place at the right time, do those things? Uh, that'll be the question. But I, I think it's a group that has a whole lot of potential. I mean, you're hoping it's going to be that blend, like you said. Because, we, I mean, Laquan Robinson is somebody who they think, they think could be mm -hmm. a starting caliber guy at safety. Um, Jaron Thompson can also play nickel. So, you know, you've got options there. Talking about size, I mean, Terrence Love is <laughs> Terrence Love is very big, and he's only gotten bigger since last season. I mean, he didn't look like a true freshman who's out there. Keontae Scott's got great size. 
Um, Kyan Lee already has the frame of like an NFL cornerback. He's he's looked that way since he got here last spring. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a group that has some continuity with a guy like Wesley McGriff. And I think I think that's just so important for this cornerback room. Um, we heard it talking to DJ and Nehemiah down at the Senior Bowl about how important that is. They're like, it's, you know, Nehemiah said, look, there's lots of new names, but like Crime Dog is going to get them sorted out. Like there's no lack of confidence in him on your uh, on your coaching staff. You, you mentioned real quick um, Champ Anthony. Just quickly, I wanted to run over the um, leadership council group that Hugh Freeze mentioned. Um, I only mentioned this because this is something he kind of got into a lot today. Uh, Damari Alston, Jarquez Hunter, Peyton Thorne, Luke Deal, Connor Lou, Dylan Wade, Jay Fair um, on defense, Jalen McLeod, Keldrick Falk, Eugene Asante, Keontae Scott, and then Champ Anthony. Like you mentioned, um, that was a big focus today for him was because early on right now, you know, you're installing and you're and you're doing the what some of the early things on the field. You can only do so much. You can't get ahead of yourself. You got to pave the road before you drive it like you you. you you're going day by day and you're building brick by brick with with some new coaches in the spring. But what freeze feels like they can control is some different accountability things and some different things from a leadership perspective. And look like, you know, accountability, you know, that's, it's not going to convert you a third and eight in an sec game, but like you look at the best programs in the country, they have that year to year sort of standard as a program and, players come in and they just kind of fill in their role. Um, like Freeze talked about it today. He said, I didn't feel like we we did a great job. And he kept saying, me, me, me. He kept saying, it comes back to the coaches, comes back to the coaches. Mm-hmm. Definitely wanted to make sure he's like, I'm not spraying blame onto the players here. Um, but what was interesting, or at least I thought was the most interesting part, Jason, you wrote about it today. He went to the players in the summer and said, or excuse me, you know, over the past couple of months and said, what do you want the standard to be? Like when you think of Auburn, tell me what you think. And he said, I liked their ideas. Didn't really change that much. Wrote it on the whiteboard. And, uh, and that's how things are going to be in spring. Uh, there's, there were lots of things that people haven't gone and watched it. We have the entire video up on, on our YouTube page, Auburn mm-hmm. Undercover YouTube page. It's worth a watch for everything not related directly to football. Um, that part of it. That, that leadership part about understanding, hey, how do you deal with guys nowadays as opposed to even 10 years ago, even five years ago? Hey, how do you talk about accountability? I mean, like there were so many things that I think he's still trying to figure out, as is everybody around the country. I don't, it, it, it is a different world. It's a different world when you start talking about how to, how to deal with guys because he said, like, I got the NFL guys going, I th- thought it was wild. He's like, I got NFL guys going, Hey, we got guys asking for NIL to come to the combine. Like that's, it's not what we do, but that's, that's the world we live in. He's like, it's, it's a, it's how do you adapt and adjust to the world of, Hey, well, I need to be given something before I do something versus going to earn it. And he mentioned earn it a bunch. And I think there's still a part of that. And I think that's still something there. And Nathan, you mentioned two names and it's two names that, that, I'm right about, and people will see on, on Friday, but mentioned Connor Lou and Keldrick Falk. I think those are the only two second year, like true sophomore guys on that list, right? Is there anybody else that's, that are to I see? Mean, the only other second year guy would be Champ Anthony. And he's Champ like, Anthony, who's a junior college guy who's older. You have two second, true second year 
19-year-old guys that are on a leadership council. It also happens to be maybe your two most talented players, especially on the line of scrimmage that you have, to see young guys step into those roles and also be those talented guys. I mean, I've been going back and, and re-watching, re-watching uh, The Last Dance here recently with Michael Jordan and talking about those things and listen to those guys say, hey, look, we would go do it because our best guy was doing it. Like he was the hardest worker, and that made us do that. And then you think about a Connor Lou and a Keldrick Falk, two guys that when you think about maybe NFL potential, there may not be anybody on this roster, but more, more potential those two guys. And they're out there sophomores, and they're stepping into those roles. I think that has a dramatic impact on a football team. We'll see how much it means moving forward. But it feels like to me that having those type of guys already doing that as sophomores is a great sign for the health of the Auburn football program moving forward. Because you don't want to have to depend on a bunch of fifth and sixth year seniors. And it's great. It's great to have those guys. But what you want is a bunch of guys that look like, you know, the equivalent of one and done guys in basketball that are out there setting the tone. And that's what Connor Lou and Keldrick Falk have the potential to be. And so I thought that was really interesting. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, I mean, like it was almost like you said, hearing those names was almost sort of a wake up call, like to me as well. Like, oh, these, like they're not, they're not freshmen anymore, and they're not waiting on somebody else. Yeah, and it's like, and and you know, and we talked to Connor and Keldrick last year, you know, kind of wading through the, you know, wading through the waters of of being SEC starters in their first season, and like you said, having plenty of talent. But sort of saying, you know, we're, we're kind of taking everything in and, and seeing how it goes. And now in their second season saying, we're comfortable now. Now let's go out there and, and attack it. Um, Keldrick Falk remains somebody that, you know, you, all the talent in the world. And now you add in the fact that, you know, he's he's really trying to take this defensive line and, and be be a leader of it. Um, and then Connor Lou, I mean, we haven't talked much about the offensive line. Um, didn't 
didn't you know there's the combinations early on or it's pointless to sit there and sit there and Correct. try to mess with them um but we you know we think this is a group that could even be improved off of last year and they were improved last year they were one of the most improved units last year we talked a lot about percy lewis um today somebody that could that could fill in there at uh at left tackle and so um lots more stuff to to, to get into jason once they get back to uh once they get back to practice next week like free said they'll put the pads on and uh, as he said, kind of get down to business a little bit more. And uh, we will learn more about every position group on this team because w- once they start getting into the, the nitty gritty of install, um, they'll start sorting through groups and sorting through lineups and things will be a little bit clearer in that sense. I wanted to touch on just real quick. Um, it was now last night, but um, Auburn basketball goes to Knoxville and plays a heck of a... <laughs> A heck of a basketball game. Um, just one of the most high-level games I've ever seen in February. Like, both of these teams were already for March. It was just a complete battle. For Auburn and Tennessee, the two best defenses in the SEC to score 92 and 84 points in this game. I mean, like, this is the most points Auburn's given up all season. And it happened against the team with the best defense in the league a game that was a rock fight. The, the score at halftime was almost the score of the game in Knoxville yeah. last year. But Jason, as Bruce Pearl said after the game, you kind of just tip your hat and throw up your hands for a guy like Dalton Connect. And you and I were talking about it today. Um, and you, you were calling me on while I was driving back from Knoxville. Like, I don't know. I, I wonder how long this will remain the best individual performance I have ever seen from a college basketball player with my own two eyes, like I, 20, could it go like 20 years? Could, it could, could be. Remain as yeah. the best it is unbelievable. And without him, or if he scores 25 points, Auburn might win this game. Yeah, no, I, I you know, I started thinking about it last night, um, pretty soon after the game, um, doing a quick kind of recap story and, and thinking about 39 points and thinking about 25 points in 12 minutes. And I was trying to think about, anything similar to that against Auburn basketball and Andy Bertram today said, you know, last year, you know, the, the, the big, the big guard, small forward from, from West Virginia had 31, had seven threes up there. Guy that Auburn tried to get a couple of times out of the portal. Um, the 31 over the course of the whole game. And, and I started thinking about God, when's the last time Auburn gave up 40 in a game. And, and I was thinking about like, you know, going, hey, and I remembered Hersey Hawkins, and I went back and looked, and Hersey Hawkins scored 44 against Auburn in, in the opening round of the NCAA tournament in 1988. Um, you know, for Bradley, he was a one-man show, wasn't nearly the team, but he scored 44. Um, and then Auburn had to turn around and play the team that made it to the finals with Mookie Blaylock and Stacey King and those guys at Oklahoma, Billy Tubbs, and they ran up and down the court in, in round two. Um, that was the only thing that I could really come up with. I'm sure there's been some that I've missed, and, and Chris Jackson and some of those teams from LSU early on. But um, when you have a guy that just basically every possession down the court for about five minutes said, I'm going to shoot the ball and I'm going to make it, no matter what you do, um, you tip your cap. And we hear, you know, you hear it a lot in baseball, you know, but Sean, you tip your cap because that guy was just too good. Normally they're talking about another pitcher. You tip your cap, that guy was just too good. It was almost the same feel. You go like, hey, nothing to do. Um, and Auburn played a really good basketball game in a really tough environment. It, it kind of, to me, felt like against Baylor early in the year where you go, yeah. you know what you do? You go, 
hey, play like that, you're going to win most every night. That night, they, Baylor had a guy go nuts, a freshman, that made a bunch of threes and made some shots, and they were just a little bit better. Same thing for Tennessee. Um, I still think this is an Auburn basketball team that can go out and compete and make a run, and, heck, they can make, can make the Final Four. Tennessee could too. So could Alabama. So can Kentucky. So could Florida. So could maybe South Carolina. You know, you look and so can Kansas and Baylor and, you know, there's there are a bunch of teams. There's a bunch of teams I'll go lose in the first round. Um, Auburn's one of them. Tennessee's one of them too. Um, <clears throat> and so that's the beauty of college basketball right now. <laughs> what happened last night completely changed tomorrow for some teams. And so um, that's the nature of the beast. But I think it's an Auburn team that probably learned a lot about itself in a loss, getting Jalen Williams back and kind of figuring it out. Chad Baker, Mazzara, um, Chaney Johnson, I think it's an armor team that's going to kind of hold itself really well when they get to postseason play. Yeah. I mean, Bruce Pearl said, look, this is going to be tough to get over, not because of the way they played, but just because of kind of the significance of it at this point in the season, knowing this was legit, you know, realistically your last chance to, to try to win an SC championship. Um, now, is there still a scenario where it could happen? Yes, it would require respective meltdowns from Tennessee and Alabama. Um, now, you're still in a position to be a top four team in the SEC. The easiest way I can kind of put it now is if South Carolina loses at least one game. Now, this is assuming Auburn goes 3-0 to end the year. They have Mississippi State on Saturday. That'll be really tough, by the way. That's a turnaround for Auburn. Like, they, they didn't have a full practice today. They did practice, but Mississippi State had an extra day. That's a really physical team. You go quickly to Missouri for only their second Tuesday game of the season. That'll be an 8 p.m. tip-off in a weird place to play in a game you'll be expected to win. And so none of this is none of this is for certain, but it is kind of a light schedule, and then you close with Georgia. If you go 3-0, South Carolina loses one game, you're automatically right above them because you have the tiebreaker. So if they have the same number of losses, you right above them. And then Florida and Kentucky, who you're now tied with, they obviously have a tiebreaker over you. You just need them to lose one of their combined last six games. They just got to lose one and you'll, cause one of them could be ahead of you, but the other one behind. So, um, you know, most likely Auburn is still going to be a top four seed. And yeah, like you said, Jason, like there was, I thought in this game, a lot of guys showed some stuff like they went out there and played some of their best basketball and some, and some of what we've seen this season in terms of like individual performance, Katie Johnson, it was like, that's what you want. Like what he did, that's what you want. Chaney Johnson getting to his spots. Chad Baker Mazar making Leor Berman had a five point swing in like 60 seconds. And he's the past couple of games, he's done that. Um, Janai Broom is the best big man in the SEC. And look, I mean, th- there's really, there's not much this Auburn team should hang its head about um, after this game. One bit that could be a one seed. Like if Arizona starts to fall off, you, you just, you may have just played a one seed on their home floor. And so it's, there's, there's not much Auburn should be upset about. Close the year out, do what you're supposed to do. And Jalen Williams, didn't even mention Jalen Williams, gets 12 mm-hmm. points coming back. Bruce didn't want him to play 21 minutes, but he left him in at the end. He said, look, we're trying to win a championship, and like that's one of our best players. Another couple games, he'll be closer to 100%, and that's a big deal for this team. It is, yeah, you're right. I, I think it's um, – I think you, you put yourself in a position, like I said, you, now it's take care of business time. Go take care of business, do what you're supposed to do the last three games of the season – you finish 13 and five, you're going to have one of those four spots. 
I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to have one of those four spots at 13 and five, and you're probably going to be, you know, Auburn's, you know, this quad one, quad two, whatever that stuff is, it, it might push you to a five seat uh, if you're Auburn, even though your net's high. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You're, you're going you're gonna to be a team that's going to get yourself in a position to do those things. But, yeah, I, I think getting a double by, getting to Friday and making, making yourself um, – Putting yourself in a good spot to, to go compete for an SEC tournament championship would be a, a nice feather in the cap for this team because I think that's what they could do when they get to Nashville. Most most places have them as a four, right? I mean, there's not much difference either between a four and a five. Like like your your twelve and your thirteens are not like they're kind of mm-hmm. there's good mid majors. Um, most team most places have them as a four. I would expect unless they something really changes, and especially if you win a game like if you get a quality win, you beat a a Florida or a Kentucky to get a quad one win in Nashville. Like that historically that doesn't hold as much weight as the regular season, but it, it's, yeah, it could be a separator at the end of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're right on that line. And so, uh, so yeah, Mississippi state on Saturday. Um, but Jason, as we were recording here um, in, in Neville arena, they finish up uh, a, a game that really for Auburn women's basketball, it, it, feels like this might be what might punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament because as you looked at this women's basketball team, they kept having games where you were saying, okay, this is this is you know middle of the pack SEC team on your home floor. gotta go get this game. You know, here's a, here's a, here's you know, a lower a lower tier SC team on the road, probably one you can't afford to to lose. And over the past several seasons of Auburn women's basketball, those just aren't games that have been guarantees. It, it, it's and that's why they've kind of fallen with some of the you know worst SEC records over the past several seasons. They moved to eighteen and ten on the year, Jason. They beat Mississippi State um, handily by seventeen points. Uh, honesty, Scott Grayson remains one of the best players in the SEC, one of the best scorers in the SEC right now. This is just a team that plays. Great defense and has a great and has a great score and a bunch of people who have really bought into to Johnny Harris and her vision um, for what this team should be schematically and uh, shoot I mean they they've been on the bubble all season and you you've sort of seen some of the bracketology say they just need to go you know, take care of business in a couple more games they've done that it, it really feels like this is a team that could be trending toward their first NCAA tournament appearance in in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess before the Texas A&M game, the, the bracketology had them as one of the last four in. They had A&M as one of the last four buys. Then Auburn beat A&M. And, and now you're looking in Mississippi State's a 20-win team. Um, you know, had, had seven SEC wins already, and you say, okay, you beat another 20-win team. You beat an LSU at home. Um, I feel like Auburn's in now. Um, I, I think they will be in the tournament what you have the opportunity now to do is go to Florida and win this weekend and potentially move yourself up a line and maybe avoid an eight, nine game, uh, maybe get into a seven C where you get a two a little bit. You're still going to be playing on somebody's home court, which makes it really difficult to win this game. Uh, but, um, this is a team with honesty, Scott Grayson, that teams are not going to go. They're not going to want to see this Auburn team. You have a bona fide, I think a pro I, when, when I watched them play LSU this year, I left going, they've got a pro. Um, and when you have a pro, it changes things for them. They have a pro. They've added some some key spots at the guard position. They have a big who's continuing to improve. They have some pieces. Um, and it's showing up for this team. Um, 
and hey, they're they're a couple of a bad stretches away from from having ten SEC wins right now, and and could realistically could be right there, and you could be talking about a five seed. I mean, just a couple of couple of bad five or six minute stretches in games this season. So, um, I, I think for them, it's it was a huge another huge step in the right direction for for Coach Jay and, and that group, and. Um, like I said, now they got another opportunity to go on the road to a Florida team that I don't know if they did tonight. Had five, they were five and nine, and so that's that's a very winnable game for them. And go down and take care of business uh, heading into the SEC tournament, and you'd have to feel really good about getting back to the to the big dance. Uh, Florida lost a very close game, uh, seventy six seventy three at Alabama tonight. And um, yeah, you look at Scott Grayson, Jason. Um, Let's see here. 12 of she's led Auburn in scoring in 12 of their last 13 games. She has scored at least 15 points in every single one of those games. Um, and so, you know, you like again, you, a defensively oriented team with a potential WNBA type player um, that can go out and get you a lot of buckets. And, um, you know, it, it, I think it just goes to show, too, like Johnny Harris came in here, had a very clear from day one, a very clear vision of what she wanted to do. Um, recruiting wise, you know, building a team and, and schematically on the floor, Auburn got through, you know, some, some rocky spots for a couple years, but they said, look, you could, you could point to this team every year and what they were doing, whether it was, you know, a couple ranked wins and, or just, even as you watch them, you're like, this team's getting better. Even if the record doesn't really show it, there is an upward trajectory. Auburn, you know, did a good job of just being patient with that. And, uh, and now it's, it's obviously getting close to leading to an NCAA tournament berth. For this team, uh, Jason, we'll just rapid fire these. Um, I put out on the board just, you know, if, if anyone had any spring football questions they wanted to ask. Um, only got a few of them, but we can just rapid fire through them here as well. Um, not all of them are spring football, though. W. Slay, uh, one of my favorite posters on the board. He uh, he asked from the current Auburn basketball roster, who has the best chance of playing overseas? I think that's a really good question. I I just think Janai Broom, like, I think he could be drafted. I think like because last year was so close to it, he could be like the fifty seventh pick. I just don't wonder if he's a guy who you just you just look at him and like the game he has, like he just looks like a European type type big man with the style that he plays. I think there's a couple guys on on this team that could do that. Um, you know, Jalen Williams has the athleticism and the ability um, to be a guy maybe who gets a who gets a shot at the NBA, you know, G League type situation um but those are i think i, I kind of start with those two guys when thinking about you know guys who could who could do that we'll see what happens with chad baker mazara i don't another year at auburn he can end up being a guy who who is really highly regarded in the sec yeah i think i think you're looking i look at auburn's you know three bigs is there's the most likely guys dylan carville guy does dylan yeah. decide to come back does dylan decide to come back and go hey i'm gonna be to get an il i want to be the guy for a year and develop offensively and, and do those things. Um, if so, he's probably got maybe as much upside as, as anybody because of that athleticism. Can he can he add those pieces to his game? I think you're right about Broom. He feels like a European type player, uh, and it's hard to it's hard. I mean, he, an extremely good, very good basketball player, but he he needed to be playing in 1988. Um, where you had guys that played with back to the basket. It's just not done that much anymore. And he's improved his outside shot, but it's still not that 25-foot range where you're talking about, you know, where guys are shooting jump shots at 6'11 in the NBA and 7-foot tall. Um, 
you know, Jalen Williams is, is really athletic, but it probably legitimately six, seven. Um, it's hard to envision him being a guy that can play with his back to the basket, which is what he does. And he can shoot it too. Um, so I would say those guys are probably the most likely guys. Uh, he also asks, is this Butch's <laughs> most versatile team in terms of generating runs? Extremely early, but seems like this team can definitely manufacture some runs. Yeah, I, I think so early on. Um, you know, last year you had, you know, Bryson Ware develop and become a 20 home run guy, set the school record for home runs, and, and they could score and do, in some different ways. Um, but with Cooper Weiss and, and some of these guys, it feels like that this is going to be more of a – I do think this. I think from 1 to 12 or 13 is probably the deepest – lineup that we've seen at Auburn in a while. Do you have a guy that's a 20 home run guy? I don't know, but I think you may have six guys that hit 10, which does, you know, which, which one's better. I don't know which one's better. I would say that you having some depth there, but I think it's a lineup that can generate some, some runs some different ways. And Cooper Weiss already has 10 stolen bases. I went back and looked and, and there hadn't been a lot of double digits stolen bases in, in the last few years. The last time Auburn had anybody even get over 30 or more was, was 2012 and he's already got 10 in, in eight games. So that's a pretty good start. Uh, here's an opportunity for us to talk about a guy that we're pretty high on. He asked, what do you see for Tyler Johnson in 2024? Most are putting Percy Lewis in ink as the starting left tackle, but I have a feeling Johnson may give him a run during the season. I think yeah, like we've like we've talked about Tyler Johnson a little bit, like it's kind of feels like a matter of when for him that, that he sort of unlocks that um, just a guy Jake Thornton thinks is thinks could definitely be a starting player down the road. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, he's a guy that has a bright future, whether that's now or next season or during the year, I don't know, but I think he's going to be there. I, you know, we could, we could almost, and we might just need to do it. We could almost do an entire show on the offensive line. You know, and, and I could I could do 20, 25 minutes on the job they've done in rebuilding this offensive line. Tyler Johnson is one of those guys that you know the previous staff had on campus multiple times and and said no, we don't we don't think he's good enough. And this coach staff believes he's a guy that has NFL ability. When you look at him and his his teammates have said, hey, look, this guy's really come on. Um, you know, too tall is a guy that has stepped up with a year under his belt. Percy's there. You know, you add in, you know, Juco guy that that has a ton of ability. All of a sudden you look and Auburn has four or five offensive tackles for probably the first time in a decade or more on the same team. So, uh, but I think Tyler Johnson's a guy that is going to make a push, yes. Last one from W. Slay asked, it appears we're targeting some longer backcourt players in the 2025 class and beyond. Is it purely due to the talent of the players or is Bruce looking to have more options length and style-wise? with his backcourt. I think you just, you see those kinds of players a lot of the time that, that have that ability. And I think that's in college basketball, you sort of have to have that. Bruce has liked his smaller guards over the years. Um, but particularly, you know, a guy like Caleb Holt obviously comes to mind um, for, for 25 and beyond. I mean, I, yeah, I, no, I, you have to have it. Yeah. I think, I think you see it. It's just, that's the way the game's played now. You look and, and, you know, it used to be, when you found the the six five, you know, two hundred twenty five pound guy, that guy was going to be big enough to probably play small forward, or even power forward in basketball. And then it became, well, you probably need to be six seven, six eight, and so those guys became tight ends, and those guys became really versatile players on the football field. 
Now it's at the guard position where you start going, well, you know, it used to be, well, you're 6'1", but, you know, you're good. You play basketball. Now you start going 6'1", guys go, it's hard to find a home in basketball because of the length of everybody and how much more athletic the big guys are. You mentioned Caleb Holt. I mean, this is a 6'5", 6'6", sophomore that has guard skills that can take the ball to the basket. And, you know, I think you think about, you know, him and you think about, you know, uh, you know, Coleman Landry with Thompson as a sophomore that's six four, probably two fifteen, that's playing two guard that plays, you know, you can handle the ball and do those things. That's the size of guys that are now become coming out and getting offers and um skill level still number one. And I think it's gonna be that way for Bruce Pearl. But yeah, if if skill level and length match up, then that's where you want to go because you, you you we've seen it still even this season team like Florida gave Auburn a lot of issues because of their length. And it's still become one of those things at times, even Kentucky did a little bit of that here at Auburn too, with some of their length at the guard positions. And so um, I, I don't necessarily think it's the be all end all, but I don't think you go, Hey, no, we're going to go recruit small guys. Cause that's what we like. No, I think you go recruit the best guys you like. And if you can get one to six, four, then that'd be great. Uh, very last one here, and then we'll get out. Um, Stuart CA29 asks, out of the tight end room, uh, besides Fairweather, who could make, um, who is likely to make an improvement or impact? I think that's a really good question. Um, my two cents would be, I, I like what Brandon Frazier did last year. Like he's a guy who caught a couple touchdowns. I will pull up what they said he lost in the offseason, but he has also slimmed down. A little bit, and he was a guy we talked to under the stadium in the bowl game who said, "I yeah, I enjoyed this season, and I, and I feel like I can get even better moving forward." I mean, that's a, he's a, he was a, he was a good recruit, really good recruit out of high school, um, massive, massive athlete. I think he's a guy if he can continue to come along, he can do a lot for as both a, a pass catcher and a blocker. I, I think you look at him. I agree. I, that's a guy. I think Luke Dill is is a guy that continues to grind it out. I think he'll have some catches along the way. But I think he's going to be more that that you know blocking edge tight end guy. Brandon Frazier was a guy that when he was brought in was brought in as that hybrid pass catching tight end, and then for a while people were like, well, this might as well move an offensive tackle because he's just you know he's getting bigger and bigger. Well, we saw last year the ability to catch the football at the LSU game where he had a couple of catches. Some of those stand out, but I think when you have that to go along with a Rivaldo Fairweather. Um, to me, he's the guy that I would I would watch as being a guy that has a chance to have kind of a breakout season, especially when you start going two tight ends or you go, you know, two tight ends, a couple of wide receivers, different different looks that you can give. Um, a lot some of that may depend on on what happens at wide receiver too. If if a Kim Coleman steps up and you start to feel good about those guys and Robert Lewis and Sam Jackson come in and you say, okay, that we feel much better about the wide receiver group, then it might maybe changes the way you you use some of those two tight end sets and maybe some of those opportunities. But I do think he's a guy that will be involved uh, a little bit more even than he was last year. Yeah, it's an interesting room overall. And uh, Mike O'Reilly and Rico Walker might be a year away in terms of significant impact. I mean, Rico Walker's a guy the coaching staff pitched with Rivaldo Fairweather film, and they said, this could be you. Like, you're athletic, you're really big, you can go out and block and catch, and you can do both of those things. Uh, Frazier dropped 15 pounds from last year, according to the, uh, according to the roster. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's a guy that you could definitely sort of pencil in as being someone who could, who could have a little bit more of a breakout season and 
I mean, he already did it a little bit last year with a couple touchdowns. And so, um, Jason, I think we've gone long enough today. This was a quite a uh, quite an extensive podcast here. I hope everybody um, enjoyed it. We will have another one within the next few days as we get into uh, you know basketball. This time next week, they'll be getting ready for their last regular season game against Georgia, and then it is uh, on to the postseason. Of course, Auburn football will be off next week, and then they'll be right back at it on the practice field. Uh, baseball and softball, of course, are still going on as well. So AuburnUndercover.com will have that all taken care of for you guys. If you want full coverage of all those sports, we would love for you to come join us over there. For Jason Caldwell, I'm Nathan King. If you guys enjoy the show, five-star review, number one thing that helps us out until the next episode. We will catch you guys later. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. It's into your weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.